Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. In a previous episode, I promised to do a topic, the difference between holy wisdom and cynicism. As promised, here it is. The first of prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, in a previous episode, I had mentioned in passing that the concept of the difference between holy wisdom and uh, cynicism. Um, I felt I felt inspired today through our Blessed Mother and our Lord to go ahead and do that this topic today. So where do I get the idea, the difference between holy wisdom? And cynicism. It's very simple. I've, I've said the quote ad nauseum. It's from the gospel according to Saint Matthew. And it's when Jesus. Jesus is sending out his apostles and disciples to preach his message. And he warns them. That they're not going to be well received. It may have, I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a hair. It, it was either when he sent them out to preach or when he was talking about the last days. It does not matter for the sake of this topic. His exact words were, be as wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. I have mentioned that quote in passing multiple times. And I believe, I might be mistaken, um, I covered that concept in St. Longinus' baptism channel. However, um, I, I haven't checked the analytics of uh, the app on which I did those recordings. So I have no idea, but the last time I checked, it appears that ever since I've moved on to the new platform, that nobody is listening. Now, this is just my impression, because there are vagarities to that app as well as to the vagarities of the one I'm on now, presently. Um, 
maybe they've been getting some listens on different platforms because I was literally on more than five platforms, you know. But as near as I could tell the last time I checked, nobody has been on the St. Long Chinese Baptism podcast channel. Um, I don't like the fact that I have to repeat a topic that I've already covered. However, if it is God's will that I have to repeat myself, I have to be an obedient servant and do it. Because this, this concept, given the times we live in, People don't get the concept, or at least it appears, given my day-to-day interactions, people don't understand the concept. So I'm going to do my best to give it some justice. Okay, so from the true Catholic concept of holy wisdom... The the bottom line of what Jesus was telling his, not just his apostles, but his disciples was um, when you get holy wisdom, you're going to be skeptical about everything you see, you hear, what is reported to you. And I will explain the difference between cynicism. Um, But with holy wisdom, even though, and and trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm dimly familiar because I'm learning this as I go, but I can say factually, that it is my experience that when you get holy wisdom, you're going to see through things. When you start seeing things through a spiritual eye rather than a natural eye, you're going to see things. And you don't necessarily need to be face-to-face to do it. I said on my previous podcast channel that I'd had enough experience, or I have enough experience on the internet, that within three or four online interactions with any particular person, I can tell whether or not they're genuine or if they're just, they're crap posting. You know, they're dishonest actors who just, you know, they they want to irritate people because, you know, they're such contemptible individuals that um, they get their kicks out of irritating people for no other reason than um, they're contemptible. And before I catch garbage about, I've been... I've been guilty of in my past um, of doing the same thing. 
I don't consider myself any less contemptuous than the people on the internet who purposely crap post just to get a rise out of people that in their own misplaced self uh, sense of self-importance think that the other person that they're crap posting against is a dummy and can't see through it. However, what I will say is I recognize that that is, as I said, contemptible and I try not to do it. But as is the person that I am, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I just want you to be aware that if your little fifis get hurt, that I consider myself a contemptuous person, not because I do it now, because I used to do it. I consider myself a contemptuous individual for not being fully aligned with our Lord and his blessed mother's will. That I still want to do things my way. But honestly speaking, I call a spade a spade. I find it contemptuous when people, you know, are so full of themselves that people that they don't even know on the internet, they don't know. They don't know because it ain't face to face, it's text based. And leave little crap post comments. You know, they think that they're being edgy. No, you're just, you're, you're, you're like a, a fruit fly. They can't be killed. You're annoyance, but nothing more. And the fact that you sit in judgment over somebody that you don't have any idea who that person is, what they're capable of. But, you know, you're, you're going to go ahead and just irritate them because it pleases you. Yeah, I don't have, you know, I don't have, I find that contemptible. So, take it for what it's worth. Anyhow, but I said in that, in the, uh, one of the episodes of St. Longinus, I can tell, um, I've been on the internet long enough to know. I can tell when somebody's being genuine and when they're not. And honestly speaking, this is a carryover. This is actually a survival skill I learned through hard experience. Because the way my life panned out, you need to spot a fake from the get-go in order not to be led astray. And when I say led astray, I'm not talking about... uh, you know, some dude who who's not going to pay you back if you loan him money. I'm literally talking about people who might get you killed or kill you if they get the chance. You take it for what it's worth. And if you want to chalk this up, oh, he's just... He's lying. He, he's talking smack. He's trying to be an internet tough guy. Say what you want. I'm not, I'm, you know, I've said this ad nauseum. I'm not in the habit of making crap up and I'm not in the habit of uh, a hyperbole. Now, there have been occasions when I've used hyperbole to exaggerate a point, 
but I don't use hyperbole to build myself up falsely. So once again, take it for what it's worth. But um, with, with holy wisdom, and I, I did an episode, the difference between holy wisdom and experience. And some people are going to say, well, you're, you're basically talking about the same thing. There's a difference between experience and cynicism. There's a massive difference. And if you can't tell the difference between experience and cynicism, um, I don't know what to tell you. They, they are two separate things. If you don't have the enough knowledge to make the distinction, I can't help you. But there is a difference. Now, with holy wisdom, as I said, when you, before you get serious about being a real Catholic, um, you're going to see things naturally. In other words, you, you have no spiritual wisdom. You're viewing things through naturally on surface level. And people tend to think that, well, oh, what you see is what it is. That's not necessarily true. It depends, you know, not that I'm trying to be subjective. Uh, uh, I forget the word I want to use. But not that I'm being subjective and, well, you know, everything's subjective. No. There are some things like God's truth that are objective, but there are, and by the way, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. I'm not talking about situational ethics. In other words, well, if such and such happens, depending on the situation, I do A. I'm talking about human beings being human beings. There are going to be some situations that things are not what they appear to be. And there are other situations where they're exactly what they appear to be. And not I I hate I hate coming back to politics, but this this example is what I'm a good example, a great example actually. The January sixth of twenty twenty one quote unquote insurrection. Now the way it was portrayed was a bunch of foaming at the mouth. Right-wingers got together and rioted on the Capitol and broke into Nancy Pelosi's office chanting, where's Nancy, where's Nancy? That's how it was portrayed. Now, through a natural lens, you're horrified. You're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, those, those right-wingers, they want to overthrow our government. They want to hang Nancy Pelosi from a lamp pole or whatever, whatever your misled mind thinks it is. 
Okay? Part, part of having holy wisdom and on a natural level, there's skepticism. Things are not, there are some things, what you're seeing is actually happening. There are other things that are staged. January 6th was staged. Because anybody who bothered to do the research, and because it's present era, people are too lazy to do it, knows that there were actually what they say in political terms, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, false flag operators. That's the only word I can think of right now off the top of my head. Who posed as genuine, and by the way, this, this, what, how they set this up was by the book, by, by operational, you know, um, by, uh, secret or, um, intelligent agency standards. And by the way, all intelligence agencies. I don't care if it's the Mossad. I don't care if it's CIA, whatever the British, French, German, Russian equivalent is. It was a classical, what is known as a false flag operation because there were genuine Trump supporters who were genuinely upset because they were legitimately robbed of an election. I'm not going to get into the whole fact that our government doesn't have real elections and it's illegitimate to begin with. I'll let you hash that out for yourself. What I'm saying is, is that, and by the way, I'm not accusing any, um, you know, because we are monitored. I'm not accusing any um, counterintelligence agency of staging January 6th, but it was ran like, because, like I said, I read a lot, or have, that, that was by the books, false flag operation. Because, once again, you had a group of people who were legitimately upset about a legitimate grievance. And whoever planned January 6th sent in their own operatives posing as Trump supporters. And they were the ones who started attacking the Capitol Police, although there are varying reports on that score that said the Capitol Police actually opened fire on the Trump supporters. The truth will never come out until we go before our general judgment. But at any rate, once the Capitol Police and the Trumps, uh, I'm sorry, the false Trump supporters clashed, the false Trump supporters stormed the Capitol. Now here's, here's where human beings being human beings complicate things. There were genuine Trump supporters who did go into the Capitol and one of them was shot. 
And I bet there's not a normie or a progressive who can tell you the name of the woman who was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer. And she was unarmed. They had it on videotape. I watched that tape more times than I want to care to, to talk about. She was unarmed and they shot her. She was a fiance and to, you know, for all this garbage about, oh, we love our vets. We, she was a former Air Force veteran. And they made her out, well, when the word came out that she'd been killed, you know, people, uh, Masonic organizations being Masonic organizations, they went into overdrive to blacken that woman's name. She was fixing to get married, unarmed, and shot in the throat, died on, on the on, in the hallways of the Capitol, bled to death. Nobody did anything to help her. Nobody. Not your precious government. Nobody. They blackened her name. They made her out to be the next Timothy McVeigh. She was just an ex-Air Force vet who was righteously angry because she felt that, you know, we were using Banana Republic um, tactics to steal an election in a country that's supposed to be, on paper, honest, free, and fair. And they painted her out to be some wild-eyed fanatic. That's a bunch of garbage. And you, like I said, I quit, I quit following politics about a year ago, but I'm almost willing to bet if I talk to the mind-numb supporters of our Masonic government who think that they, you know, that the, the Trump supporters that were at January 6th were wild-eyed radicals. Who? Her name was Ashley. I don't remember her last name, but her first name was Ashley. She was a real human being. A real human being, not some animatronic political puppet posing as a, a honest politician. She would she loved her fiance. She wanted to, you know, get married and start a family, and she was killed just because she had the tenacity to enter into the sacred capital. There's nothing sacred about that capital. And, and, and to those of you who are historically knowledgeable will recognize the fact that our capital is based on pagan Roman architecture. Now, if you claim to love God and serve him, like you, you know, then there's nothing about the capital should, that should be sacred. There's nothing about our government that should be sacred. But that's not what this is about. The whole reason I went on that little mini rant was because some things are what they appear to be, but other things you have to have holy wisdom or, if you're secular, skepticism. And... I'll give credit where credit is due. 
the majority of the quote-unquote uh, based in red pill right-wingers on YouTube were all over it. And I, I only know of one based in red pill right-winger who's a set of a contest. I mean, the, don't get me wrong, I, I've met said Vacantists who are right-wingers, but they generally tend to be of the normie types. You know, and I have no more use for them than I have the, the secular normies. But they were all over it. They were the one who brought out the information. They were the ones who had the video. Probably suppressed by this point, I'm sure. But I ain't going to lie. It's through the, our Lord and our Blessed Mother's grace to give me spiritual, at least a little bit enough, to set me on the path of Freemasonry and how the basis, uh, not all our founders were Masonic, but a lot of them were. And that the government that they set up was based on Masonic principles. I mean, by 2006, well, I take that back. When they brought Trump up under the fake Russiagate narrative, I was already shaky. And you, well, you guys don't know me personally. When I joined the military, I was a hardcore believer in this quote-unquote republic. And then I got out. I started seeing what was going on. I saw the apathy and the laziness of the public. And so I was on shaky grounds to begin with. But when they literally set up a show trial... And anybody who was politically aware knew that it was literally a show trial. They didn't have nothing. That's when I said, and this is, you know, once again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a Catholic at this point. I was like, okay, I spent three years of my life supporting a government that's no better than the commies. And this is before I learned how bad Freemasonry has infiltrated all the world's governments. All of them. So sorry on shaky ground. And like I said, when and you know, not not to make this all about politics. At the time when he was brought up before charges, just on, you know, just on my knowledge of politics, just on my knowledge of the American governmental system and how it works, I knew he'd be acquitted. I knew it. And I, I couldn't implicitly tell you, but I had a hunch that it wasn't really actually meant to... Um, actually put him in jail because any 
any totalitarian government, and whether you like it or not, the American government is no better than the commies. They need a, a veneer, a, a, a false veneer of legitimacy. And at the time, I was under the mistaken impression that the reason they didn't toss Trump in Leavenworth was because they had to maintain the veneer of legitimacy. I've come, I came to the realization once again, way before, well, not way before, but right before I decided that um, I needed to turn to our Lord and his blessed mother and the one true Catholic church that, and actually it was January 6th because when they didn't toss Trump into prison, I figured, well, they acquitted him because they had to maintain their veneer of legitimacy. And then, and I also was under the mistaken idea, well, if they do that, they're literally going to have an insurrection. And then January 6th happens. And by the way, uh, Ms. Ashley wasn't the only Trump casualty. Now, I bet if you Google, you'll hear all about the Washington, D.C. cop who died of a heart attack. But he didn't die of the heart attack, mysteriously enough, at the riot, so-called. He died of a heart attack at home. If you're natural-minded, skepticism. Why would they make a big deal ostensibly, about a cop who died after the riot of heart failure at his house. That has nothing to do with the riot. He could have had a bad heart and just didn't know it. I mean, if you want to take it on the natural level. But given what I know now, um, I'm willing to bet there's more under that story than meets the eye. There's a lot more under that story that meets the eye. But we never heard about the Trump casualties, not in your quote-unquote mainstream media. And, well, never mind. I'm not going to get in. I, this has gone too deep into politics. What I'm saying is, if you want to live in your mindset that at best God and Satan are delusions, that hell, heaven and hell are delusions, and you're more interested in living for yourself, it's your life. I'm not in charge of your life. But for the love of yourself, get some skepticism. Get some skepticism. Don't be lazy. Look beneath. That, that, that's another thing too about skepticism and holy wisdom. And because skepticism is nothing more than a natural, um, a natural skepticism 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a natural reflection of holy wisdom. It's going to be faulty anyway, but at least if you get to that point, you're not going to mindlessly consume the narrative that you're given. You're going to realize implicitly the government so-called is corrupt and there's a lot of garbage that gets reported that is actually false. But when Jesus told his disciples, be wise as jerk, I'm sorry, be wise as serpents as gentle as doves, that's holy wisdom. What it means is, is you're skeptical. And I think I have covered this in a previous episode on this channel. I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating. Because a lot of set of contests, for all their chest beating, and I'm not saying every set of contests, I've, I've, but I've, I'm around enough set of contests that the whole concept of, of skepticism, the whole blind, un, um, unquestioning obedience to our fake government, um, if they don't learn this lesson real soon, they're going to find out the hard way. And for you, for you seculars out there, who mindlessly consume the garbage you're given and think it's the God's honest truth, you're going to, eventually your turn's going to come too. And you're going to have your eyes open. Unfortunately, in both cases, by the time your eyes get opened, it's going to be too late. You are literally going to be a victim unless our Lord or his blessed mother gives you a singular grace not to be a victim. But to me, I'd rather take my chances on our Lord and his blessed mother. I'd rather take my chances on them than blindlessly or um, heedlessly taking my chances that, oh, well, the blessed mother and the Lord will save me. That's called, um, it's, it's presumption, but it's also uh, testing God. That's why the Catholic Church teaches about prudence. You don't, you don't mindlessly do something because you, you know, you, you, uh, because it's convenient for you. You think that, oh, well, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, they're going to save me because they love me. You don't do that heedlessly. I promised I wasn't going to make this about. Um, politics, I intend on keeping that, but there's one other example that I want to use. Back in 2018 and 2019, when the height of the Antifa BLM rights were going on, I was on Twitter and I was just following Every branch of Catholicism, the Vatican II sect, the Neo-Trads, and the set of the Contes. And I actually ran in some Neo-Trad. I'm guessing they were a Neo-Trad. 
But they posted, and it came up on my feed, unfortunately, some Facebook post about how a Korean War soldier was doing a patrol during the Korean War, and he got separated from his squad, and he came across uh, about 20 or 30 Chinese soldiers. Now, obviously, they shot him up. But the, according to this Facebook story, another thing, too, quit, quit listening to garbage on Facebook. If you can't independently verify the story, leave it alone. Anyhow, according to the story, right before he got shot up, he bumped into a tall blonde because the, he was a Marine and he bumped, bumped into a very tall, very muscular Marine named Michael. A little too on the nose for my taste. But anyway, um... According to the story, he got shot up, but he was recovered by his company and taken to the aid station. And when he regained consciousness, he asked, well, where's Michael? Where's Michael? And they're like, who's Michael? And he's like, well, he's, he's this big, tall, blonde Marine. And we were having a conversation. Then I got shot up. And I, after that, I don't... They're like, dude, one of our guys saw you were all by yourself when the, the Chinese shot you up. And then the story goes, after the young Marine got shot up, they saw like the 20 or 30 Chinese got up. Uh, soldiers dead and they went over you know because you got to collect intelligence and there were no bullet holes in them supposedly they were all killed by sword cuts that's at the time at the time I asked the guy who gave me the or he didn't give it to me it was on my Feed. I asked him, I said, doesn't this story seem a little fake to you? Mm. One other thing. I take it back. It didn't come across my feed. He gave it to me. Because I was trying to tell him during the height of the Antifa BLM riots that said Vacantis, and, and, and instead of being good little American drones should be banding together with like-minded individuals who know our government means us no good. And in reply, he sent me this Facebook story about Michael. But I asked him, I said, doesn't his story, because I, you know, I told him, I said, look, I'm a former vet and I've read the history of the Korean and, you know, I've, I've read a lot about American military history. There was no story, and I was former Vatican II sect, which he knew. There was no story in the Vatican II sect about this miracle. Because um, 
if something like that had happened, where a young Marine gets shot up by the equivalent of a Chinese platoon, survives the story, and they find the same Chinese platoon dead of sword cuts, you got to remember, see, here's where skepticism works in your favor or holy wisdom if you're trying to be pious and devout. Pius XII was in, was Pope. Pius XII was a legitimate Pope. I have no reason to doubt whatsoever if that story had been verifiable, he would have declared a miracle. He would absolutely, there's no record of it. There is literally no record of it. But people, and, and you know, so I asked this, this guy, I said, well, doesn't it seem, you know, a little too pat for you? He was like, well, no. Oh, no. Miracles can happen. And at the time, being where I was at, I couldn't independently say for a certainty that he, you know, that the story was fake, even though it sounded fake to the hilltops. So I kept my mouth shut, but I didn't tell him. I said, look, you consider yourself a Catholic, right? Oh, yeah. I said, don't you realize it's our duty as Catholics that we're not, we're not to presume on miracles? We're not to expect miracles cause reasons. And he was like, well, no, because I'm God's, you know, we're Catholics. God looks out for us. And at that point, I realized that I was talking to a mindless drone. Now, when I say this, it's not, in a derogatory sense, what I mean is he's not skeptical and he's not using critical thinking skills. To me, without being, um, without being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Oh, contemptuous. Thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. Contemptuous. To me, a person who consumes whatever they're told doesn't have skepticism, I'm sorry, skepticalism, and does not critically think they're a drone. It's, it's, not, it's not an insult. It's not a slam. To me, it's a statement of fact. Because... He's not the only person who considers himself a true Catholic, even though if he's a St. Pius X member, he's not. It doesn't matter. I pray for people like that because there's no if about the, you know, the dumpster fire that constitute our culture and society. And I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking worldwide. 
It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that, if that person is unfortunate enough to be alive when the Great Reset kicks in, once again, without a singular grace from our Lord and His Blessed Mother, I, I can't even imagine what that person, and by extension, people like him are going to experience in reality. And that's the thing about experience. Experience is when your illusions get shattered in a brutal fashion. That's exactly what, or at least that's my experience. <laughs> not to make a joke. I'm not. But, um, experience is when your illusions get shattered. And I believe on the last episode that I did about this, the difference between holy wisdom and experience, I talked about the World War I troops. And it was literally a mass delusion. And like today, I suspect that the people who knew better were trying to warn the normies, hey, we have barbed wire, we have machine guns, we have trenches. This, you know, because anybody who's read about World War I, the mass delusion was, was the war was going to be over by Christmas. The Germans were going to be in Paris by Christmas. The English and the French were going to be in Berlin by Christmas. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way. It turned out to be a massive waste and slaughter purposely perpetrated by interested parties. But there, you know, because I've read the history, there, you know, um, there, there were, they actually have pictures, not just of German troops, but of French and English and Austrian and Italian troops marching off blissfully to war and young ladies kissing them on the cheek and putting uh, daisies in their rifles. And when the according to the accounts I've read, the um the majority of the guys who marched off the war, and by the way, the, these guys weren't drafted. They were volunteers. They literally bought the line that they were fighting for their countries. They were volunteers. Well, after 1916, they have to institute a draft because people were wise enough to wait a minute, they promised the war was, we're two years into this and the body count keeps mounting. So the government in its infinite quote-unquote wisdom, well, we're going to have to draft them. You won't come willingly, we'll drag you. But according to some accounts I've read about it, the volunteers who were allowed, or I'm sorry, who clung to their illusions to the bitter end, and when I say by the bitter end, I mean when World War I finally ended, 
when interested parties decided, eh, we've killed enough people. But actually, well, never mind, I won't get into that. But anyway, when they, a lot of those initial soldiers who initially volunteered in 1914, they were a minority. Because the guys that they marched off the war had, had, had all been killed, or most of them. Um, I don't normally do this, but if you want to see a blackly cynical, and I mean cynical, uh, take on World War I, I recommend the British TV show Black Adder Goes Forth, it's, or it's called Black Adder Part 4, and it stars Roland Atkinson, Mr. Bean, and Hugh Laurie is the clueless Lieutenant George. It is, it is, <laughs> I, I, I got to admit, I got a sadistic pleasure out of watching it because I've actually read the history. According to the information I've got, the guy who actually wrote this series is and uh, I don't know if he's a professional historian or an amateur history buff because all his stories um, are taken from English history. But I got a sadistic pleasure in watching it because I bet there were a ton of English quote-unquote bulldogs who got pissy. Because, you know, it didn't comport with their reality. Now, my point in bringing that whole thing up was, um, the soldiers that survived, the literal um, execution. And when I say execution, I don't mean they lined those troops up against the wall and shot them, although that did happen a couple times during the war. I'm talking about young men, some as young as 16, were ordered by their generals to charge barbed wire entrenchments with machine guns. They, for all intents and purposes, when I call it, it might as well have been. The governments of Europe might as well have lined up every, every young man between the ages of 16 and 30, lined them up against the wall, and shot him with a rifle for all the good it did. So, um, and by the way, I'm not claiming to be an actual wartime bat. Never have been. But I've read enough about the wars that, you know, I, and I'm not going to lie. When I joined the U.S. Army, I was pretty naive myself. Luckily for me, or I'm, I'm sorry, blessedly for me, the Lord and his blessed mother saw fit to take me in another direction. Because if World War III had actually broken out between the Masonic communists and the Masonic um, government of America and Western Europe, I'm sure that the slaughter that would have entailed would have made World War I look like a warm, 
a warm summer's night on your porch with a beer or lemonade. Because having been in the military, I saw up close and personal the destructive power of our weapons. There was no way that World War III wasn't going to end in a mass slaughter. And there's no way whatever trumped up war that interested parties actually end up starting it's, it's going to make World War... And you got to remember, too, everybody talks about World War II. Because, you know, with World War II, we had a convenient scapegoat, Mr. Mustache Man from Austria, that we could pin all the slaughter on. But if you study the casualty figures of both wars, World War I was almost as bad as World War II. What made World War II worse was the power of the weaponry. And whereas in World War I, interested parties did allow certain countries to remain neutral, in World War II, interested parties said, no, 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 you don't get to sit this one out. You've got to participate in some way. And World War II gave us the atomic bomb. Anyway, so holy wisdom, and like I said, I know I've, I've, I've talked about holy wisdom, but, and I think in, in the episode where I discuss holy wisdom versus experience, I said experience in, in if even if you're totally secular, is useful. Now, I'm, I, I haven't, well, I have listened to that episode, but not recently. So I'm not sure if I got all autistically detailed like I did on this episode. But I was trying to tell secular people, look, you don't need to believe in, I mean, you need to believe in God. That's why I'm doing this. But you're your own person. Do what you want. But if you don't learn skepticism now, while you still have time, you know, um, the recriminations, if you survive, are going to be the bitterest you've ever experienced. Take it for what it's worth. Now, as far as cynicism goes, cynicism is just experience... Let me let me backtrack. Cynicism is bitter experience mixed with a bitter mindset. In other words, or before I get into my definition, I w- I just want to uh, give you some context. And I think I've talked about this several times too. I've been accused of being up before. Before I became uh, or tried to become a serious Catholic, I, I'd been accused of cynicism more times than I cared to count by other people. And whenever they accused me of it, I said, Yeah, you're right, I am. And I, I felt no shame in it. 
Um, I'm not advising people to be cynical, just skeptical. And now I'm going to get into my, uh, my, uh, differentiation between cynicism and holy wisdom. Cynicism, cynicism is just a natural reaction to bitter experience. And with that bitter experience comes a bitter mindset that the world is crap and, you know, um, that the world needs to be destroyed because human beings are garbage. Now, I never went that far deep in my cynicism, but I've met enough cynics in my time. I've actually met cynics who said, well, I have more sympathy for a dog or an animal, you know, because they don't know what they're doing. You know, as far as the human race can, is concerned, I don't care if they all die. And that's why cynicism, in my mind, is sinful. Because once you forget your fellow human beings are just like you, you've lost your humanity. Once you lose the ability to empathize, I'm not saying love, altruistic love in the God sense, although if you're said of a contest, you better learn that concept. I'll tell you that. You know, you don't believe me, read the saints. But once you lose your empathy for your fellow human beings, one quick story too. Uh, I told you about the guy on Facebook during the height of the BLM um, Antifa riots. There was another person, I'm not sure if they were claiming to be Neotred or Sedvacantis, and for the purposes of this discussion, it doesn't matter. In their minds, they were good, pious Catholics. And because I, I, got, I got tons of scorn heaped upon me for taking this position. Because I was trying to tell these people, as pagan as I was at the time, these people are, you know, they may not be true Catholics, but they're still your fellow human beings. And the last time I checked, Jesus told us to love our neighbors, no exceptions. And one guy wrote to me, like I said, Twitter can be used for good or evil. He literally said the, these words. I care neither for the Hindu nor the Jew. I only care about my fellow Catholics. Let me tell you something. I hope to God, if you're the person who wrote that, I hope you hear this. You're a contemptible little scum. And unless, unless, God gives you the grace. And for the love of, if you, if you, if you don't want to go to hell, if he gives you the grace, my advice to you is take that grace and repent. 
because you are a contemptible little worm. Anybody, and I've said this ad nauseum, anybody who puts themselves above their fellow human beings is a contemptible little worm if, if they're claiming to be true Catholics. And I don't care if you're a fake Catholic who thinks you're true. If you're taking that kind of attitude, that's part of your error. But I, I have no more sympathy for you than you do for your fellow humans. Because, what you know, and people don't want to grasp the concept. Your fellow human beings, you know, who are, for all intents and purposes, pagan, what they're doing, they're doing out of air. They don't know better. If you're claiming to be a true Catholic, you know better. And you deserve what you get. Take it for what it's worth. But, um, you know, and that, that, this is going to bring me to the end point. I thought this was going to run a little wrong, and my instinct was right. The interested parties that run this world. And believe me, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, they do. And all, most aspects, entertainment, finance, education, science, culture, entertainment. Your churches. Now, the average run-of-the-mill functionary of interested parties... may not be so hateful as to wish the destruction of 70 to 90% of the world's population. See my episode on the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. But I guarantee you, because it's out there, you might have to do some digging because I guarantee you, Google, Bing, all your search engines, your normie search engines, they're not going to cover these stories. You're going to have to do some research. These people have been publicly stating that that's what they want. They want the destruction of 60 to 90% of their fellow human beings. And see... I think in a previous episode, I talked about the Protestants who disrespect the Catholic Church. And because they disrespect the Catholic Church, you know, the, the things that they say, I said it could be no other way. Because if you acknowledge the Catholic Church as legitimate, Guess what? It means you have to change. The people that are running this dumpster fire, they know full well. They know full well that they are committing mass genocide. But here's the thing. Because, and 
you know, I'm not even going to try to peg the percentages, but I'm sure there's a segment they're doing it out of selfish motivations. They're doing it for money. They're doing it for their creature comforts or whatever. Ambition, greed. But there's also a segment of them that are literal Satanists. And, you know, once again, treat it as an abstract concept all you want to. Satan hates humanity. Because we've been given everything. Well, the bottom line is, as human beings, Satan holds us in contempt. The whole reason he revolted from God was because God told him that he was going to have to serve human beings. And he's like, no, uh, go pound sand. I ain't doing it. Or I think it was uh, William Blake who put it in his book, I will not serve. Something like that. Well, there's a certain segment of interested parties that are a little Satanists. And they take their masters, they take you from their master. They feel, they view, even though they're human beings themselves, they've been so corrupted by their master that they feel no more pity for, say, <clears throat> a young kid, maybe four or five years old, they gladly shoot that kid in the face and not give any more thought to it than you would think about killing a cockroach, a fly, or a mosquito. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is um, our, that I brought up the Protestant example, you know, about how there, there are a certain segment of, uh, of Protestants who have to denigrate the Catholic Church because if they if they give it any respect, they realize, oh, well, if, if everything that I've been believing is an error, then I got to change. Okay, the first set, you know, who are in it for the, you know, for the perks, you know, they may not necessarily, you know, they may be like everybody else and view Satan as an abstract concept. Well, they're kind of like the Protestants. If they, if they acknowledge God is a real thing and they're using ambition, greed, whatever, to further their own ends and they acknowledge God as the ultimate authority that, ooh, I've got to change. No, I don't think I'll change. I'll just go along with the program because it's going to benefit me in the end. But the actual Satanists, they're making a bet. I've, I've covered this in previous episodes. They're making a losing bet. This is, this is not a bet of chance. If you believe in God and you believe that the Bible is the itinerant word of God, guess what? You know, for all you morons on the internet who pretend to be Satanists, you're contemptible too. I have experience with this. These morons want to leave their edgy little Satan icons and blaspheme our blessed mother and our Lord and your Catholic Church. You, you, 
<laughs> I think this is going to be like uh, random thoughts number, or yeah, random thoughts number eight. This is going to be a, a minute. The average person who's been coddled, who's been spoiled, who's who's been sheltered from the consequences of their stupidity. You're in a you're um you're in a huge pack of trouble, boys, because that's what you are. You're boys, and if you're female, you're a little girl. You have no conception of what true evil is. You have no conception. Only those of us. I'm not, I'm not going to claim that my life has been so horrendous that I've, I've seen true evil face to face. I haven't yet. And I'm hoping and praying to my Lord and his blessed mother. I don't. Because... Honestly speaking, at the point where I'm at right now, if I ever came face-to-face with Klaus Schwab, um, I would lose my salvation right then and there. And I would. Now, I'm saying this because I know that, well, Somebody may said the contest may get a hold of this someday. I'm under the full understanding that I can't do anything to Klaus Schwab that the, our Lord is going to multiply by a million times in hell. But I absolutely despise people who are truly evil and, and are truly evil. You know, for all the ranting and raving on the left about mustache man in Germany or about Stalin in Russia or Mao in China. The people that are going to put in place the Great Reset are going to make guys like Mao, Ho Chi Minh, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, Hitler, Mussolini, look look like amateurs and they're going to do it without a flicker on their conscience. Now, the reason I'm saying this is I kind of got sidetracked, but I'm going to bring it around. I haven't seen actual like mass executions. I haven't been to a death camp, obviously, or I wouldn't be speaking. However, I've seen I've seen the wreckage, the human wreckage that real live humans go through when true, remorseless, unpitying evil decides that they want to, you know, play with a human, another human being's life and then allow them to live. And so, when the edgy, quote-unquote, Satanists on the internet 
you know, do do their their naive, stupid crap. And that's what it is. It's stupid. It's ignorant and it's naive. And that's as charitable as I'm going to get. I laugh at them because I could tell right away. See, here's the thing. True evil doesn't announce itself. True evil doesn't come to your door like Dracula. Oh, you have to invite me in so I can turn you into a vampire. No. True evil works in the shadows. That's where it works best. True evil obscures its existence. True evil, in the literal sense of the term, doesn't... There's, there's an old cliché, but like most clichés, it's got an element of truth. The best trick the devil ever played was convincing mankind he didn't exist. And if so, fact so, if you don't believe in the devil, you don't believe in God. But true evil, you know, it's just like the true Catholics or the people claiming to be true Catholics. The people that rant and rail about how degenerate and degraded our society is, uh, I'm sorry, people, our society and culture are definitely degraded. And evil, for that matter. But human beings as a whole are human beings. And Jesus Christ didn't die for a minority. Sorry, Calvinists, it don't work that way. Jesus Christ died for all. But, you know, because there's ignorant people running around, I want to make this clear. He gives you a choice. Read the Catholic saints. There are some that, to take the most pertinent example I can think of, St. Teresa of Avila says, God will not force your will. He'll give you the graces insofar as you're willing to, you know, surrender your will to him. But you're not going to receive full graces until you're completely surrendering your will to him. It's the same thing with salvation. You know, Jesus Jesus will give you opportunities. He'll give you opportunities. You have to be willing to accept those. But he didn't die for, you know, and I've, I've heard this garbage when I was a Protestant. You know, from Calvinists. Oh, he died for the elect. No, he didn't. That's that not only is that theologically garbage, it's biblically garbage. Read the gospels. He said, I come to die for the, you know, I, I don't want to quote out of context, but he he made it implicit. He's dying for mankind. That's where the concept of free will comes in. And just to make things clear, I know on previous episodes I've said that we are dust and God gets to do with us what he wills. And I will claim that that I did not clarify that position clearly. So here's your chance. When I say that, 
What I mean is, if you're trying to truly be united with Jesus Christ and his blessed mother, now obviously it's a journey, it's a road. Some people get there faster than others if they're sincere and devout. But if you commit to that program, you do so with the understanding that your gods, I mean, don't get it twisted. Everybody is gods, but I'm saying if you commit to him, you're committed. You do have the free will to decide at any point, oh, this, I can't do this and walk away. But if you're sincerely and truly committed, you're committed. Now, the the secular people who live their lives without reference to our Lord, His Blessed Mother, or for that matter, the one true church on earth, Jesus Christ, one true church on earth, They are literally free agents because God care, God loves all humanity. And if you don't believe me, watch the Passion. What's depicted in the Passion happened to our Lord. He went through all that knowing because he's God Create hello, creator of time, space, subatomic level, and all that, knowing that the majority of mankind wouldn't, wouldn't give him the time of day. He went through it anyway. If that isn't love, I don't know what is. Because I guarantee you, no human being on this earth, unless they are a literal unknown saint, would go through for the sake of humanity what Jesus Christ himself went through. And by the way, if even if they were a saint, because they're not God, what Jesus Christ went through would literally kill a human being. That's proof of his divinity. He literally lived through a torture that would have literally killed a human being. But anyway... I have nothing, I have nothing but, you know, (sighs) just, I'm going to be honest. I know it's not the right spiritual mindset. I'm working on it, but I have nothing but contempt for people that yammer on about crap that they don't know about, that pretend, you know, as I said, live action role play. They pretend to be Satanists. They pretend to be real Catholics. They pretend to be, you know, followers of Jesus Christ. They call themselves Christians. They couldn't be any farther from the truth. But, um, you know, the spiritual part of me, as far as the Satanist LARPers go, that... I'm willing to bet that the majority of them, although in today's society, there's people as old as I am pulling this garbage. There, we are truly a society and culture of little children. 
Most people do not have the requisite maturity, either spiritually or secularly. But I'm willing to bet the majority of the people on social media who, oh, I'm edgy, I'm going to be a Satanist, they're doing it out of ignorance. And I've, I've covered this. If they actually knew what they were claiming to be, if they actually knew what true evil actually is, they, 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 they would get as far away from that position as they could. They, they would run faster than Nancy Pelosi running away from an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting. Sorry, I had to throw that joke in there. But only a person who's seen what real evil can do to real people and once again, that's part of spiritual wisdom too. On a human level, or on, the, on a natural level, excuse me, I mean human, but on a natural level, you can empathize. But it's not until you're, you're spiritually wise that you can actually hate evil with every fiber of your being. And I'm going to close out with this thought. I've actually met, once again, as, uh, as I said earlier, you can write this off. I don't care. For those of you who consume pornography, and I'm not, I'm not calling out guys who use out pornography in particular. And... You know, I'm not going to say that I've never used pornography. That would be a lie, and I'm not a liar. There are sections on porn sites where they literally film underage girls being tortured. Now, am I calling you a contemptible human being no no you know um i'm not claiming to be a saint and i definitely was not a saint before i got serious about my catholicism but i have enough humility not not to to uh, you know to try to act like i'm better than you know a person that consumes porn because, you know, and I've met the mindset, oh, I don't consume porn. Those guys are degenerates. But I'm not saying that if you consume porn, you in, in and of yourself are evil. You're not. Now, I will say this. Take it for what it's worth. I don't buy into the whole neo-trad argument or the right-wing argument that all the women in pornography are sex slaves. They're not. But there is a segment, and it's out there. 
where the scumbags who actually videotape young girls being tortured, and I'm talking under the age of 12, that is true evil. Because whether you're aware of it or not, even if you consume free online porn, those guys make money. Even though it's on a free porn site, they make money. Because there are people who are so enslaved to their to their sins that they've been so degraded and degenerated by their sins that they'll willingly pay to watch this stuff. That is the face of evil. The literal, the literal, soulless person who would film a, a girl under the age of, well, there's also gay porn or female porn of the same thing with young boys. That was one of the points I brought out in an earlier episode. But they will literally film these kids being tortured for money. And think they don't lose a wink of sleep. They sleep as soundly as the most righteous person who's pious and devout. These people are the face of evil. And on a personal level, I don't know who these people are. I hope and pray. I really do. I'd rather get killed, honestly, than be given the chance to perform my own retributive vengeance. Because at the end of the day, like I said, I'm pi- I've been given the grace to recognize nothing I can do to those people is going to even remotely come. It, it's, it's not even in the realm of possibility what I can do to them, what God is actually going to do to them. But I hate evil, actual evil. Not not the vague, generalized, oh, he's a conservative, he's evil. Or, oh, he, he watches pornography, he's evil. Or, oh, he's a drug addict, he's evil. He's a prostitute, she's a prostitute, he's a prostitute. No, I'm talking about literal evil. Literal evil is something you never forget. Literal evil, without the love of our Lord and your His Blessed Mother, is something you don't get over until you go to them for help. Once again, I'm not making a claim. I've come face to face with literal evil. I've seen the debris, though. And 
once you've once you've shared a house with child abuse victims who have had their hands thrust into uh, gas fires, once you've shared a space and heard the stories of the kids who were molested and tortured by their parents, I'm not talking foster parents, I'm talking about their actual parents. Once you shared a space with a former gang member who his drug dealer got him hooked on a a specially addictive drug so that that drug dealer could literally milk that guy for money. I said in an earlier episode, I'm sticking by this, I've said in an earlier episode, I um, oh, I don't begrudge anybody who's who's been sheltered from that kind from that kind of thing, even secondhand. But I have nothing but contempt for people who either sit in judgment of people who've suffered real atrocities or pretend to be something they're not. It's that simple. I'm going to close out with this because I'm, I'm going on It's looking like almost two hours. A lot of people, once again, I don't begrudge the normies. I don't. I do begrudge the moron normies who have no conception of evil but want to lecture other people about evil, like they actually know what the hell they're talking about, because they don't. Before I close out, there's a famous picture from the Vietnam War of a grunt who had just gotten out of uh, a siege at a firebase. I want to say it was Quezon. I think it was a Marine. And on his helmet cover, because at that time, it was popular amongst some of the troops that they would write little messages on their helmet covers. And what this grunt wrote, and from the picture, you could see that he had seen things that he literally wished he had never seen. They call it the thousand-eyed stare. Uh, I'm sorry, the thousand-yard stare. His eyes were hollowed from exhaustion. And there was a look of bitterness, grief, and sadness that I recognized. I've seen it on the faces of people who may not have been in actual combat but it actually suffered the trauma as if they had actually been in combat. 
But the, well, what he wrote on his helmet covered, he said, for the uninitiated, freedom does not have the same flavor as those who have fought for it. And I just want to edit it for the point of this episode. For the uninitiated, may God and his blessed mother protect them from true evil. And God, may God and his blessed mother help them if they actually ever do experience true evil. That's it. I, I know, almost two hours. What are you going to do? I, I made no promises. I said there were going to be occasions where I ran long. This is one of them. Um, I'm going to put this in the show notes. If I had known I was going to hit the two-hour mark, I would have said this is the beginning of the episode. If you need to break this into chunks, do it. This is something you you guys need to think about. Just like just like Satan and God, heaven and hell are not abstractions, true evil and true holiness are not either. Now am I saying that the majority of human guy uh uh, human beings are going to become saints? No. But the world would be a hell of a lot better place if more people, even seculars, tried to be better human beings. I said that previously, too. I really, I really thank you for your time and your patience. I do. I do. I don't know who's going to have the patience to sit through this in one sitting. My, I'm going to put it in the show notes, break it up into chunks. But you need to, I'm telling you, you need to break this up and think about what I'm talking about here. And I'm going to make a prediction, not, not, not a prophecy, a prediction. The time is going to come sooner than you think, sooner than you want, where you're going to face true evil face to face. I humbly pray and hope that our Lord and his blessed mother help you when you do. But I absolutely predict you will. You know, um, I, I, I expect some people are going to, you know, are gonna, this one will probably get yeeted off of uh, SoundCloud too. I just hope it doesn't get yeeted off of uh, the RSS feed. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. And I pray for everyone. I make no excuses for who I am. And I don't, I don't hold myself above anyone, despite what you may think, however erroneously you think. 
Just like, just like I've stared true evil in the face, I haven't been true evil, but I've done some pretty horrendous things that I'm not proud of in my lifetime. And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to realize the same thing. And me being me, I just feel like I can't sit in judgment over another person. Just just on a basic level. It doesn't even need to be on a godly level. I would feel like the world's, world's worst hypocrite if I criticize somebody, you know, for doing what they did. Now, having said that, I'm talking about a person who's doing horrendous things out of ignorance. To the people who are actually evil and do it because they hate their fellow human beings, or the best you could say is, to them, their their fellow human beings are just abstractions. That's true evil. And no, I have no sympathy for you. Because if you're at the point where you're willing to commit mass genocide, and I'm not talking about, you know, um, let me put it to you this way. To me, mass genocide is 70 to 90% of the world's population. We're talking 7 billion people here. Now, I've had people say to me, unironically, oh, there's 7 billion people. There's no way they could do 70, uh, 70 to 90, or 60 to 90%. <laughs> How do you know? And, and beyond all that, let's just say that that argument is essentially correct. Let's just say that that argument is essentially correct. Um, (laughs) It does not matter what the percentages are. And by the way, I'm not giving any credence to that argument. The last person who tried to use that argument on me, I had to remind him about tactical nukes. A tactical nuke can literally be launched on a particular city. If, and this is up to the Lord's will, if the um, If the powers to be decide that that's what they want to do, they have the means to make it happen. And if you don't recognize that fact, if you're so full of yourself, you're the smartest guy in the room, enjoy. Out of sacred charity, I hope you die before it happens. Because it's the best charity I can give you. And one last thing, promise I'll close out. When... People put out a public bulletin or video saying that their goal is the destruction to 60 to 90% of the world's population. 
in my experience, I take them seriously. Because people that make that kind of threat, it's not a threat. You know, but because we live in a society where nothing's serious, you know, don't take nothing seriously. Everyone's a bluffer. They don't take it seriously. I use the example. Somebody comes up to me and says, I'm going to punch you. I take them seriously. So that's it. I'm sorry. This, this has almost been two hours. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate your time and patience. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. And I do pray for everyone. At the end of the day, though, you're responsible for yourself. Whether or not you go to heaven or hell is up to you. You know, maybe some of you, maybe, will receive a singular grace of God or his blessed mother. But the key is, you're not to presume on it. You're supposed to, if you're, if you're truly, truly Catholic, I'm sorry, truly Catholic, your, your baseline attitude when it comes to this is, I hope and pray that our Lord and our Lady and the saints in heaven will give me a miracle, but I'm going to act as if I don't expect it. If you don't get the concept, you think I'm full of crap, God bless you. Go your own way. It's your life. I genuinely mean this, especially if you've given me two hours of your time. Thank you for listening. I give you a hearty and and sincere God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Now you will receive us. Would you not ask for your poor or your hungry? We do not want your tired and sick. It is your corrupt we claim. It is your evil that will be sought by us. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood till it rains down from the skies. Do not kill. Do not rape. Do not steal. These are principles which every man of every faith can embrace. These are not polite suggestions. These are codes of behavior. And those of you that ignore them will pay the dearest cost. There are varying degrees of evil. We are due lesser forms of filth, not to push the bounds and cross over.